Stewart. Good morning. Great to be together today. It really is. And uh, so thankful. Appreciate those who filled in for me while my wife and I were away on a little vacation trip over the last couple of weeks of the year. It's really good to be back home, let me tell you. We were really ready to get back home. It was great to see family, and uh, it was really good to be down in 80-degree temperatures down near the Gulf Coast. Thank you for cooling things off for us when we got back. No, it's great to be home. It really is. We do want to be sure we remember uh, the family of Kiara Savant, uh, who was tragically shot and killed. We also want to remember Jessica and Janovich, and also North and Marianne. They're all at home sick. And uh, we also uh, we congratulate Matt and Jeanette Grimes. They are proud parents of a new baby girl born this past week, a few days ago. And I'm not sure if they're as proud as Suzanne and Scott Grimes as new grandparents. And uh, let's be sure to keep all of them in our prayers. Let's go to our Heavenly Father now as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us in so many ways. And we thank you, Father, for blessing us with health so that we can, on a normal basis, get out and do the things we need to do and enjoy life from a physical perspective. But, Father, there are those who are always ill, and we want to remember them in our prayers before you and ask you to please heal all who might need to be healed. And in a special way, we ask, please, for healing for Jessica and also for North and Marianne, all the others in the prayer list, the others who have been mentioned, all those others we have come into contact with, Father. In a very special way, we want to pray for the uh, Avant family and the Teresa Jones's family as she has brought this to our attention and the Southside family. Please, please remember them in special ways, Father. When tragedies come and we see them all around us, and probably a number of us have seen them in our own families, at least on an extended family basis, it brings us sadness. We wonder at times, but we know that that's part of life in this world. We pray that you will guide good to come from even these situations, Father. And we even pray, Father, for souls to be led to you as they contemplate that they need to get ready for eternity themselves. Help us to be the shining lights, Father, individually as Christians, but also as a congregation here at Sunny Slope. We thank you for each one here today and each visitor with us in a special way. And we pray, Father, that our time together will give you glory and will also strengthen and encourage each of us spiritually and help us to be guided in your will. Please be with me as I bring the word. Help me to teach it accurately, effectively, and powerfully to your glory, Father, and to help souls, this congregation, and many others around the world. Please forgive us, gracious Father, we pray and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. If you are visiting with us, you are an honored guest. We are honored to have you with us, and we pray that your being here will encourage and strengthen you spiritually, and, you, uh, and, and also that uh, you will find it a good experience. And we encourage you to come back and be with us at all times possible. If you have any questions about anything you hear us say or see us do, please ask us. We simply say that on an ongoing basis, we're trying to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And so please do ask us. 
the beginning of a new year, we normally think about starting over, don't we? Now, starting over, even though we're far along in years, most of us, and yet we think this, we think of the beginning of a new year as kind of a kind of a do-over or a beginning, a new beginning point. And so people make all kinds of resolutions and uh, a lot of those resolutions quickly fall by the wayside, but some good changes are made. We start to think about the year gone by and we look forward to the year ahead and maybe the year and several years after that. Well, it's a good time for us to reflect and it's a good time for us to try to look forward and get a sight on the future. Where do I want to be? What do I want to be? How do I want to proceed with my life from this point forward? I think it's a good time for us to go through that kind of exercise and process of rethinking where I'm at right now and where do I want to be? Where do I want to get to? So over the first few Sundays of this month, I want us to, and I realize this is the second Sunday, but but I want us over the next few Sundays of this first month of the year, I want us to think along these lines and reflect in different ways and from different perspectives. We think about the Lord's church. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 16, we read, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. The churches of Christ is not necessarily to be understood as some official title, but rather it is a name that identifies the Lord as the head of the church and the church belonging to him. And so it's a proper name or a, sta a statement of identity for us to use. Well, the Lord's church is made up of many congregations, many churches of Christ all over the world and all over this country and around the world. In our travels over the last couple of weeks, we were able to visit with a couple different congregations. Now, we knew those congregations, or at least something about them, and we visited with the Church of Christ, Goodwood Church of Christ in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We visited with the Lincoln Church of Christ in Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Missouri, two very different congregations. And that's the way it is with the Lord's Church. Wherever the members are found, the Lord's church exists there. And so while the Goodwood congregation was in a city that was larger, not quite as large as Omaha, I don't believe, the Lincoln congregation was in a very tiny rural community, much smaller congregation. But the Lord's people were there. The Lord's church is made up of congregations that are both small and large, that are both urban and rural that are active and unfortunately some are stagnant. Many are growing while unfortunately some are dwindling to some extent. And that's unfortunate for us. That's unfortunate for the Lord's church and it's unfortunate for people trying to find the truth of God's word and the truth of what the church should be. Now a question for each of us. Do you think that God wants his church wherever it exists to be successful, to be vital within the community in which it, ex it exists? I think the question actually is rather rhetorical, kind of a no-brainer. We would say automatically, of course he does. I believe that with all of my heart. We are to be standard bearers of his truth, the truth of his word. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the apostle Paul wrote, if I am delayed, now he's writing this to Timothy, but he's writing also about the church. And he says, if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, Paul was not talking about the building or the structure as being the house of God, the church of the living God. He was talking about the members, the Christians who made up that church. But notice he identifies the church as being the pillar and ground of the truth. We, as the Lord's church, then, are to be the standard bearers, if you would, of the truth of God's word. We are to communicate it. We are to teach it everywhere. Mark talked about that to some extent in the study from Isaiah 55 this morning. And so we are to be not just those who believe it, but we are to uphold it, and we are to stand upon it, and we are to communicate God's truth everywhere all over the world. As Jesus told the apostles as he was ready to ascend back to heaven after his resurrection, he told them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature or to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And so that's our mission today, to take the truth of God's word everywhere. Because through the gospel message of salvation is the power of God to salvation. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And that last statement of identification there, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, that was simply a kind of reference to everybody. Because the Jewish mindset was there was only two kinds of people or two classifications of people in, in the world, the Jews and then everybody else. And they were identified variously as Greeks or Gentiles or in some cases barbarians or heathens but th th that was from the Jewish mindset. And so what he says for the Jew first and also for the Greek, God's plan was for the gospel first to be carried to those people who were supposed to have been most prepared to receive it. And they were the ones who had the Old Testament prophecies, the Jews or the Israelites. And so they were supposed to be most prepared, most ready to receive those teachings of the New Testament gospel of Christ, and then they were to carry that to everybody else all over the world. The gospel is what we need to be proclaiming everywhere. Everywhere. We are to evangelize the world with the gospel of Christ. I wish everybody could see the, the tracking of our podcasting going all over the world right now. I wish everybody could catch the excitement that it brings to the elders and the deacons and myself as we, we look at that as Damon communicates it to us and we see how that outreach is continually growing, getting bigger and bigger. And I wish, I wish everybody could, could recognize and again become excited about how many people in other nations are listening to the teaching of the gospel as we broadcast it 
through the podcasts every single day of every week and in different ways growing and and so by the end of December of this past year our podcasts the downloads of our podcasts had already surpassed 55,600 downloads over the fairly short period of time that we've been doing this and just keeps growing year by year that's not bringing glory to us that's bringing glory to God but it's also helping people who are looking for God's word, who are looking for the truth. And so we podcast all of our sermons, we podcast Bible classes, we podcast a short daily Bible class, today's Bible class, we podcast our radio programs Monday through Friday, and people are listening. Surprising to me is the Netherlands is now the nation outside of the United States that is having the largest number of downloads, listening to the podcasts. Again, all of that is to the glory of God and to help souls. Now, we're talking about the church. We're talking about the church. For the church to be what it should be, we need to be what we should be because you and I are the church. We're here, that we're the church here at Sunny Slope. But each member of each congregation of the Lord's church, wherever they're found, they're the church. And so for the church to be what it should be, and sometimes we point fingers and we start saying the church ought to do this, the church ought to, ought to go there, the church ought to be involved. We're pointing fingers all around us in statements of anonymity, but we're missing the fingers that are pointing back at us when we're pointing all around us. You are the church. I am the church. It's not this building, it's all of us individually and then conglomerately as we come together as the Lord's body. Now, I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verses 24 through 26. I appreciate Stuart reading that a few moments ago. The Apostle Paul wrote this, And a servant of the Lord must not, be, uh, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God, if perhaps uh, uh, God will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken into captivity by Him to do His will. So let's look at three basic points that Paul is getting across there as to what we need to be. How, what we need to incorporate into our Christian character in order to be the church that God wants us to be. Servants of the Lord must not quarrel or strive, but be gentle to all. Verse 24. Now note the word there that Paul inserts in that particular statement or instruction. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. We're not talking about a matter of opinion. We're not talking about a good idea or suggestion or something that we might take or, or reject based upon our personal feelings. He said a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. That should be part of our automatic, natural, instinctive Christian character. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, 
Notice we need to be a congregation that is united together in our relationship with one another. Verses 1 through 3 tell us, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, as Paul is speaking or teaching, writing, he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another, in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What a great instruction as to the character that we ought to embody as individual Christians, and thereby the church ought to embody as the Lord's church. If you look at those statements from Paul in those three verses, the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 4, you'll see that there are seven statements of Christian character listed there. And notice the similarity and the parallelism between what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. The servant of the Lord, each one of us, we need to, with, we need to uh, be worthy of the calling with which we are called, our Christian calling. Coming to Christ through the gospel, repenting of our sins, walking away from the ways of the world, and surrendering to him in baptism so the bloody shed on the cross can cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. And thereby, as we are buried with him in those waters of baptism, as we come up, we are reborn spiritually. We're made new. We're forgiven. Our sins have been washed away by the bloody shed on the cross. And so we need to be worthy of that calling. Live as worthily as we can with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, another word for patience, bearing with one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, we look at that, and I'm afraid that we probably usually zero in on the next three verses, which are a continuation of the immediate context in which we find the first three verses. And so there we say there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Seven basic points of Christian doctrine that are absolutely essential for us to believe and live by and teach. Now what did I say about the first three verses? Seven points of Christian character that ought to identify us as being the Lord's church. So seven points of Christian character coupled with seven points of basic Christian doctrine, seven plus seven equals one church, the church that the Lord came to this earth to establish and through which we come to God or are added to through God as we come to him through the Savior. Bitterness, wrath, anger should have no place among us as individual Christians. We look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. Paul said, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, all, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Exactly the opposite of those seven points of Christian character that we read about back in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. We need to incorporate that into our lives, individually, personally, as Christians. 
Now, to present the proper image of the church to the world, we must first present the proper image of the church to each other. Our love for one another, our patience with one another, our support of one another, and the recognition that we need the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ personally. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, and he's talking about the church, Christians, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Now notice the emphasis on patience here that is portrayed in simply different word forms of wording. And forgiving one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you, and here's that word must again, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and the peace of God, should, uh, and, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now all of these are characteristics again of us as individual Christians that make up the one body, that is the church. Back in Ephesians 4 and verse, verses uh, 4 through 6, one body, he says, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For us to reflect the what the church ought to be, we need to reflect to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ what we should be as Christians because you and I are the church. And not only at a starting point, but we need to continue to get better and better in this character and in our relationship with one another. As Paul put it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says, concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. You know this, he says. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. He says, you're practicing this. But he's not just patting them on the back there and saying, good job. He's saying, keep your nose to the grindstone in this respect. Because he finishes and says, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Whenever we get to the point where we think individually, I know enough. I'm good enough. I've done enough. I've arrived. We better fall down on our knees and pray, for, pray to God for forgiveness and help him to, ask him to help us open our eyes to see what else we need to be doing. And the fact that we need to keep on focusing on what we ought to be as individual Christians, as individual Christians, servants of the Lord, must not quarrel, strive, but be gentle to all. The second point, servants of the Lord should prepare themselves to be able to teach others, to teach others, in some cases to teach each other as well. Our mission is to teach the gospel to everyone, everywhere, all around the world. That is an ongoing mission until the Lord comes again on that final day of judgment. 
We need to be teaching God's word. It is to, our job is to teach, to teach, to teach incessantly, continuously, always, as far-reaching as we can. Again, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus told the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. As Matthew recorded that great commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, as you are going, or go therefore, as it is translated in, in some of the translations, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even, at the, even unto the end of the world or the age. Amen. We need to be teaching. The gospel is the message of salvation. And God's message, his plan for us to communicate that message everywhere to everybody in every generation is through the simple medium of teaching. Now we can employ all kinds of technology and other opportunity, but we have to ultimately get to the point where we're teaching and that comes on an individual basis. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21 for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, its own wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Simple, straightforward teaching of God's word is his methodology for us teaching people all over the world the saving message of the gospel of Christ. God's plan is for us to be taught and become Christians, and then be taught to teach others how they can become Christians, and to teach them to teach others how they can become Christians. As he wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also able to teach others also. We should move beyond. In fact, God expects us to move beyond being just listeners and learners and become teachers. Now, we cannot all do that in the same ways, but we can do that in whatever way that we're capable of. The Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews 5 and verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, and here's a rebuke, he says, you need someone to teach you again the first principles or the beginnings, the very fundamentals of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He's telling them, you need to grow up spiritually. You need to take your, on your roles as teachers and not just sit back as just students. We need to soak that in, but we need to communicate what we learn to others. And this is a vital point in our identity as the church. In Ephesians chapter 3, I'm just going to read verses 10 and 11 there. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. It is our responsibility, our mission as the church to teach the wisdom of God again to everybody, everywhere to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God 
from eternity planned for the church to teach his word throughout the world and thereby lead people to him through the Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the third point from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Servants of the Lord must be patient in their Christian walk and service to God. Now, what do I mean by being patient? I'm talking about the fact that Christianity is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a lifelong discipline. It's a lifestyle for the rest of our lives. We need to, be, we need to patiently persevere in our role and work as a Christian. We need, as, as we read in James chapter 1, beginning with verse 2, hang in there, even when we're facing difficult and challenging times. And life in this world, because the devil will use all kinds of circumstances that relate to this world to try to slow us down spiritually or break us down in our faith, pull us away from God, away from faithfulness to him. James says, James chapter 1, beginning with verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now we might say, what? Joy? A joyous thing to fall into various trials in life? But you see, the point he's making here is from a spiritual perspective. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You hang in there. You don't give up. You get through those trials, your faith is stronger in the end than it was before those trials first confronted you. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We need to be patient, certainly, with one another. In Romans chapter 15, beginning with verse 4, Paul wrote, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures they were written for our learning so that we can be ready for the revelation of the New Testament scriptures that Christ initiated coming into this world, bringing the gospel, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. Have you ever thought about the scriptures communicating patience? The scriptures exhibiting patience? Well, remember that Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, exhibiting patience toward us. The scriptures are there for our learning, and God is being patient with us, giving us time to learn and then make the proper applications to our lives. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience, God is patient with us, but he's not going to be eternally patient with us if we do not come to him his way. That God, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be patient with one another. And we need to encourage one another and strengthen one another. 
And again, let none of us ever get to the point where we think, I don't need the encouragement and strength of my fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we do. Every day that we're alive on this earth, we need their strength, their encouragement, and they need ours. We need to be patiently and consistently serving God while we're still here in this life, in this world. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 9, Paul wrote to that particular congregation in Colossae, the Christians there. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We need to keep growing spiritually. We need to keep studying God's word, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, so that we can grow spiritually, so that we can stay strong and grow stronger in our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. That you may, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Are you being fruitful? in the good works that God has laid out before you? Are you taking up those works? Are you involved in those works? And increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with, uh, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Patience, patience in our spiritual lives is really key to a great extent to our eternal salvation, our eternal life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, Paul wrote, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's saying, be patient in your Christian life. Keep walking the walk. Keep doing the work. Keep being the faithful Christian that God wants you to be. And then look at the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself. In Luke 21 and verse 19, he said, by your patience, possess your souls. Well, as I said, Christianity is a lifestyle it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's every day of our lives. And so when we think about that first basic text we looked at in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient, patient. And notice this, those qualities within us are essential to our being the example to lost souls all around us that God wants us to be. Because Paul goes on and says, in humility, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, those who are outside of Christ, those who are lost in sin. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil 
and ultimately eternal condemnation in hell, having, take, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Being the church that God wants us to be, designed us to be, begins with being the Christians God wants us to be and designed us to be. It begins with focusing upon ourselves as individual Christians within his church. Servants of the Lord must not quarrel or strive, but be gentle to all. Servants of the Lord must prepare ourselves to be able to teach others. Servants of the Lord must be patient in our dedication, persevering in our dedication, committed on an ongoing basis in our dedication to the Lord. Now, we're talking about personal commitment because, again, you are the church. I am the church. So whatever the church is supposed to be, whatever the church is supposed to do, you and I are supposed to be. You and I are supposed to do. Let's be the church. Let's make up our minds and be fully committed as we begin this year and for all of the years that follow that we're still here on this earth. Let's be the church that God designed us to be. And to be that church, let's be the individual Christians God designed us to be. If you need to come to the Lord this morning, in whatever way, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ as your Savior and God's Son, surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, we're here to help you with that. If you need to study some more, talk with somebody, we're here to study with you, to talk with you, to help you along that line. If you need the prayers of the church for whatever reason, please, in any of these cases, step forward and let us know or speak with us privately. We want to help. God wants to help. If you need to come, come right now as we stand together and sing.